Welcome to a hazy edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin, and this is not Austin. Uh, tonight, we are joined by a very special guest. Joining me tonight is Brandon Hay, uh, writer extraordinaire at IDP Guys and FF League winners. Uh, if you haven't followed Brandon, uh, you know he's been pumping out a ton of rookie profiles, a lot of other great content. Uh, especially over at FF League winners there. Uh, you can follow Brandon at uh, HeyB3, Hey, H-A-Y-E-B3 on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, how's it going, man? Excited to have you on. I'm doing good tonight. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor to try to fill Austin's shoes for the night. Oh, you're you're gonna do you're gonna do a way better job than Austin does. <laughs> Filling his shoes is not gonna be anything for you. I mean, Brandon has been by far one of the most active uh, and most interactive members of our Discord here. Um, always asking great questions, always providing great insight in there. So, you know, anybody who's a Discord member, you know Brandon very well. Um, so I've been I've been wanting to get him on here for a while, and I was I thought this was a perfect opportunity here. Uh, you know, talking some rookies. Like I said, he was. Talking up some rookie profiles over there on FF League winners, um, so you know we uh, we'll dive a little bit here into the show right away because we don't really have any big news items this week. Uh, it's pretty much a dead spot right now with the draft coming up. You got some rumors. We already talked about some of those. You got Devonta Smith weighing in at one sixty six. We already beat that to death. Um, so we're just gonna kind of hop right in here and. We'll start with the uh, the top five at each position. And I know ours are pretty similar here, but Brandon, I'll kick it over to you first. Just kind of run through uh, through your top five here real quick for us. Right. So for uh, quarterbacks, I feel like the top five, at least the you know the five are, are pretty um, uniform, most people. But um, first, I have uh, Trevor Lawrence. Second, I have uh, Fields. I don't know how the Jets could, you know, not pick Fields if they go quarterback. Um, and then third, I actually have Lance. Then fourth, I have Zach Wilson. And bringing up the rear, I have Matt Jones. Um, I just think uh, Lance has more potential, and I'm just kind of worried about some of the things I saw from Wilson. Um, he's very good at improvising, but a lot of times he only has to improvise because he misses some reads early on. And that kind of worries me because he won't be able to run around. And he reminds me a little bit too much of Johnny, Johnny's game to, um, you know, for the NFL. And that didn't really work out too well. Yeah. I mean, everybody called him the Mormon Manziel for, you know, a lot of the season here. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of similarities with Wilson and Manziel's game, especially like you said, producing off script. Um, you know, that's both of their big strengths there. Um, you know, but I think, you know, my rankings are, are pretty similar to that. You know, I have Lawrence at one, you know, pretty, pretty universal there with Lawrence at one, you know, you get a little bit of, a little bit of hot takes here and there with some people putting somebody else up there. But I think Lawrence is one of the best prospects at the quarterback position we've seen in a while. So deservedly the number one spot I'm right there with you with fields at number two. Um, I think the jets would be crazy to pass on fields at two at the same time, my Atlanta Falcons, like I've talked about before, that it's sounding like they may skip Will uh, Fields at two if he uh, or at four if he is there. Sounds like they may go in a different direction, so we'll have to see there. But uh, I'm a big fan of Fields as well. Uh, I do have Wilson at three uh, with Lance at four, and then obviously Mac Jones there at five to round it out. Um, so you touched a little bit on 
Zach Wilson and some of the concerns you have here. But, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit here about Trey Lance. Um, seems like you're pretty high on him. Yeah, I am. Uh, he, you know, as everyone says, he looks the part. I know that he's only really had that one-year experience, so that is uh, concerning. I think the biggest thing with him is whoever drafts him needs to have patience with him. I think the 49ers, if they do, do decide to go um, with Lance, that could work out because they still have Jimmy, and they could run with Jimmy, you know, this year and then maybe next year, you know, um, kind of change to to Lance. But I think he has a lot of the, you know, traits, and, um, you know, he's just very physically gifted. Um, there's obviously a big risk with him because, you know, the smaller school and obviously um, with Wentz, you know, it worked out at first, and now he's kind of a little iffy. So I understand those concerns. But just based on upside, I, I think I would go with him over Jones and uh, Wilson. Yeah, I actually I completely agree with you there as far as upside goes. I mean, I think Trey Lance could even have the best upside of any quarterback in this class. Um, just because of the the level of athlete that he is, the the caliber of arm that he has, um, you know, I think his ceiling is is enormous. Uh, my only concern, I think, a little bit worried about the floor. You know, you touched a little bit on uh, the comp level of competition there at North Dakota State. You know, once it kind of worked out at first, um, you know, and then it sort of dropped off a little bit. You had Easton Stick, who was really productive at North Dakota State as well. Hasn't really done anything, hasn't done anything in the, uh, in the pros. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a concern with the level of competition for me, but I'm with you. Actually, I think the, the 49ers taking Trey Lance would be one of the smartest moves of the draft, just because like you said, they have Jimmy, you know, Jimmy G is a guy that you can rely on. You know what you're getting with him. He may not be a guy who's going to win you games, but you can win with him. Um, whereas, you know, that'll give them the opportunity to let Trey Lance sit and develop. Uh, and then Jimmy G's contract, uh, is very cuttable after this year. So if they like what they see from Lance, they can move on. You know, if they think Lance might need another year or so, you know, they can keep Jimmy G. Uh, so I think that that going with Trey Lance there would give them a lot of flexibility. Uh, but the floor is what worries me a little bit for him. I think the floor is lower for him than Wilson. Uh, so that is why I, ha I do have Wilson ahead of him there. Um, you know, but I think that you're you're right as far as some of the concerns that Zach Wilson's been showing. Um, you know, with the, the not really producing well inside the offense in structure, not really seeing a lot of the reads. You know, there's some wide open reads that he misses. Uh, I think Felix likes to talk about Matt Waldman, um, you know, and, and his profile on him where he was missing some reads. So that is definitely a little bit concerning there. Um, but is there, you know, we have Mac Jones there at five, and that's almost a little bit by default. Uh, so do you actually like Mac Jones as a prospect? I do. Um, I don't really get some of the talk about people talking up Mac Jones um, to be, say, you know, third or some people, you know, have him even higher. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he kind of needs weapons around him, and he pro he needs, I think, a better team to kind of fit in, kind of like Alabama. But I think he can make the throws. I think he is a better athlete than people maybe give him credit for. Um, he's 
obviously not a dual threat like the other quarterbacks, um, even Trevor. Um, but I think he could be a solid quarterback in the right system. But top five, I don't, I don't see where he could be picked in the top five. I thought if he picked him, you know, any from where from 10 to 15, that would be a good spot for him. Um, but anything higher than that, I think that's a huge risk because his upside is, is definitely the lowest, I think, of the other um, four in that top five. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. With his uh, – and I know you, you said he has a little bit more mobility than you, you people give him credit for. I do agree with that. Um, but he definitely has the least amount of mobility and athleticism out of that top five. So that does cap a ceiling a little bit. Um, I mean, I think he's an excellent game manager. I think he you know, showed that at Alabama where he can distribute the ball really well when he has good playmakers. Um, so if he goes to a situation, even like San Francisco, I think he could potentially be successful there just because of the level of playmakers that they have. You know, you can distribute the ball to Kittle. You know, they got Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuels, a guy who kind of gets forgotten about a little bit, but he's still a guy that I like a lot. Um, you know, they, they kind of need to get maybe another guy for the outside to – you know, you know, pair with those two because those both are a little bit more react guys. They don't really have a true go up and get it outside of Kittle. Um, you know, like like he kind of had at uh, at Alabama. I mean, Devonta Smith. You know, he was he was great in the contested catch situation. Surprisingly for his size. So, you know, I think if he's to succeed, he'll need somebody who's a little bit better with the contested catch than what San Francisco has right now. But you know, I think that that's still a decent spot for him. But you know, overall talent wise, but I, I don't, I agree with you. I wouldn't take him in the top five. Right. I agree with everything you're saying. I just, to give up all that capital and to trade up for, if you know, all the rumors about Matt Jones, I don't see how that's that big of an upgrade from Jimmy G. So, um, you know, I would have, you know, if they, if I was them, I would just stay where I'm at with Jimmy G rather than, trade up for Matt Jones, but I kind of think it was a smoke screen, but you know, who knows? There's always, you know, um, surprises on draft night. So I guess we'll finally find out and, you know, next week is finally, so we can stop with all the rumors and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is one thing with, um, with the draft coming up here, you know, we, we're going to, we've done a lot of, uh, projecting. Um, we've done a lot of guessing, and we're finally actually going to get some answers, which is going to be really nice. And then we'll actually be able to talk about these guys and their landing spots and kind of dissect that a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm definitely excited for that. Um, you know, so I know you also had a uh, a piece that you wrote about on uh, the FF League winners, uh, where you kind of looked at Davis Mills and, and Kellen Mond. Um, are those as as like potential risers? Are, are those two guys that you you're liking a little bit more as the process goes on? So um, actually, I do like Colin Mond a little better. Uh, digging into his tape more, um, he's another where he has a lot of athletic potential. He has a big arm. Um, he, he makes some throws that are crazy, and that show, shows where you know the the hype comes from. But then he makes horrible decisions. He, um, for someone that is as mobile as he is, he doesn't really throw very accurately on the run, which is a concern. Um, a lot of the times it's, you know, 10 yards away from receiver. So I like to see when a quarterback does scramble, them at least give the uh, receiver a chance. 
And the reason I um, decided to look at Davis Mills was some of the um, rumors where I heard, you know, he might be moving up to the end of the first round. Um, I actually um, was listening to the, to the radio and Sean Salisbury was talking about him and coming out of high school, how, you know, how good he looked. Um, so I kind of looked at him and I'm not going to lie. I was not very impressed. I know injuries uh, were big with him and Stanford's offense was very conservative, but it seemed like he lacked some, um, some of the skills to throw on touch deep and to the outside. Obviously that might be able to be worked on, but I definitely don't see him as a first round prospect. If you got him in say the third round, I think he's a fine developmental uh, quarterback but um, I, I just don't see the high upside unless you're just going based on how high of a recruit he was coming out of high school and just hoping that he finally reaches his potential. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with uh, the Kellen Mond assessment there. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely very spotty um, with his consistency. And he's, you know, for a guy who is mobile, like you said, he doesn't really throw well on the run. So he, the mobility is a little bit wasted. I think, um, but I think he does have a high ceiling. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely warming up to him a little bit more than I was at the beginning, just because there's, like you said, there's not really anybody else that is kind of standing out. Now I do still like, uh, Davis mills. Um, you know, I, I think his 2019 tape, it wasn't really that great. Um, I liked his tape this year a little bit better, although it was definitely a bit of a limited sample size. Um, I just, I like his poise in the pocket. Um, I think he has a good arm. Uh, it's not it's not a, a howitzer or anything like that, but it's I think it's NFL caliber, um, and I think he's a pretty smart QB too. Uh, you know, I think he's he dissects the defense pretty well. Um, you know, he throws decently with anticipation. There, he's got a little bit of escapability. You know, a little bit more uh, mobility than given credit for. But um, you know, so I think that that puts him on the on the level of a you know, more of like a Matt Stafford type of mobility as opposed to a Tom Brady statue, um, you know, but I definitely, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's a first rounder. I was seeing some of that buzz too, you know, I, so I, as I like him, I don't think he's, I think he's more of a guy who needs to go mid second round, maybe even towards the back half to like a good situation. Um, and I think he may be able to like, you know, I, I've been, comped him a little bit to like a Kirk Cousins type of a career where you know he gets taken somewhere as a backup, you know, develops a little bit uh, of that potential that you were talking about since he was such a high recruit. Um, and then, you know, ends up being like a, a solid caliber starter, you know, not somebody who's going to go out there and win you games, uh, but somebody that again, that you could win with, um, like I mentioned with Jimmy G. Um, and then I know that uh, you had also, did you write a piece on Kyle Trask? Was that right as well? Well, I did. Um, and let me just say, uh, with some of it, there was um, another writer that does great work um, on um, on uh, the league winners. Um, and we had a pretty, uh, you know, we have a, a Twitter, you know, group chat. We had a pretty heated debate about Kyle Trask. Um, I will say I was a lot higher on him before I watched the tape. Um, my, uh, my opinion lowered a little bit, but I still think in the right situation – he could be really good. Um, some of the things that I know um, you and, and Austin have said is he doesn't have a, a great arm. You know, you know, I think he has an adequate, you know, 
arm, but it's not strong enough. And he does sometimes have the mentality to throw it in there like he has a stronger arm. But I think he's a smart guy, and a lot of his throws are just very, very nice on touch, you know, right in stride. Um, I've had some people say, well, you know, he's only good because of Kyle Pitts. Well, then my my kind of comeback to that is then, well, you have to say that about every quarterback that has a great receiver, like Matt Jones, you know, and, you know, Fields and, you know, Trevor Lawrence had, you know, Justin Ross and, and everything. So um, I, I think he, I think he has some good traits. Um, I think he might, um, Trask might be good maybe in the, if he drops the third or fourth for the uh, Washington football team, so he can learn behind uh, Fitzmagic and maybe, you know, in a couple years, you know, a team that um, has a lot of weapons. I think he's very similar um, to Matt Jones in that if you give him a lot of weapons, I think he could, you know, work well with them. Obviously, he doesn't have the um, up, upside of Matt Jones. But, um, yeah, I, I still like Trask. I believe when I said the quarterbacks, I had Trask sits um, with Mon seventh, but Mon definitely um, closed the gap in my eyes um, after uh, doing that piece on Mon. Nice. nice. Yeah, I um... – it's no secret we've been, we have been a little bit down on Trask on this show here. We've, uh, you know, Austin has a, a threshold that he's developed for for arm caliber for the NFL level. Um, you know, he said like Joe Burrow is kind of like the minimum for him, and if that is the minimum, you know, Kyle Trask definitely below that. Uh, I don't have that level of threshold developed yet. Um, you know, I I think there's like stiff situationally. You know, I don't think I think guys with like weaker arms can succeed in the NFL, depending on the situation. But now it's a little bit of an outlier here. So, but I, I think the Washington football team was a great uh, it was a great landing spot that you brought up there. I think that that's a team that is going to you know with Ron Rivera, they're going to try to win with defense. Uh, they're going to try to uh, you know run the ball as well so i think in that type of an offense i, I mean yeah I, I don't see any reason why trask couldn't be uh you know a solid game manager um again you know i've said it about mac jones i said it about um jimmy g i don't think kyle trask i think kyle trask falls in there too i don't think he's gonna ever win you games but you could potentially win with him um so i i do have david mills ahead of uh mond and trask um, Mond has actually jumped Trask for me too. So I do have Trask now down at eight. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move off of, uh, quarterbacks here. We'll move into the running backs. Um, so if you just want to, yeah, you just want to hit me with your top five running backs here. I know those are, those are pretty similar. Uh, I believe there's one difference here, so we can highlight that then. Right. So, uh, running back wise, um, I have Najee first, um, Etienne second, uh, Javante Williams third, and then I have uh, Trey Sermon fourth and uh, Kenny Gainwell fifth. I just did a piece on Kenny Gainwell, so I was really impressed by him, but I just think if Sermon can somehow stay healthy, um, you know, near the end of the year with the Buckeyes, I think he, sh he showed that he could be a complete back. So I think he has um, more of the workhorse type back, um, you know, build. And then Gainwell, so that's why I put him ahead of um, Kenny. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I have my top five very similar there to Najee Harris, ETN, Javante Williams. Uh, but then I do have Gainwell ahead of Sermon. And, you know, one of the things that I really liked with Gainwell, um, you know, it's, it's where he checked in uh, weight-wise. You know, I was a little bit worried about that. 
Um, and then he did hit that uh, 200 pound mark. I believe he checked in at like right at 200, if I remember correctly. So that was that was pretty big to see from him. Um, so once he answered that question for me, you know, I love his receiving upside. Um, I think that he's the type of back that can really, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to carve out a really nice third down role. Um, whereas with Sermon, I like Sermon a lot. I think Sermon's probably a better pure runner than Gainwell, but I do worry a little bit about his injuries with Sermon there. Um, so I, I do have Gainwell ahead of him there. And, you know, I was, I was reading through your piece there, you know, when you wrote the Kenny Gainwell article, but then I was also reading through it a little bit before pre-show. Um, and, and I love that you highlighted, you know, how much of a, you know, how versatile he was too. You talked about it was used as a decoy wildcat quarterback, talked about him being out in the slot, even out wide at times. And like I said, I think that versatility, um, you know, is, is really what separates him from sermon to me. So I do have a fairly solid tier break there. Right. And, um, I do think I might, uh, you know, going into the draft, I might switch them. One thing I really liked about Gainwell is, you know, kind of what you talked about going out wide. It didn't happen a lot, but there's, you know, three or five times that I saw them throw a bat shoulder um, throw to him, and he caught a couple of them, and one, you know, he, he dropped. But, I mean, he, he played it perfectly. And um, I think he's just so much more versatile than your normal third down back. Uh, I kind of was talking to um, my editor at um, the league winners and just saying he's in this weird in between where I don't think he's a workhorse back where, you know, he's going to get all the carries, but I do think he can be used on all three downs. So you don't really have to take him off the field, but I do think you would need another back to compliment him, but the NFL is going more to that side anyway, but I just love, um, Gainwell, but another, you know, worry is he only had that one year um, of the experience. But then again, um, for all the people that love Antonio Gibson, that kind of, you know, downplay Gainwell, I mean, Gainwell kept Antonio Gibson from being their starting running back. So, I mean, that has to show something. So I think, um, you know, I have no idea where he would go. I'm guessing, you know, maybe late second, early third, or maybe even fourth. But whoever gets him in the right situation, I think, could get a, a really valuable um, player. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 with you there too, especially on the Antonio Gibson line. You know, if you, if you like Antonio Gibson, you know Gainwell was the guy who kept him off the field for for a lot in college. You know, Gainwell was also used dynamically as a receiver. Uh, you know, there with with Gibson on, on the same team. So, you know, I think that Gibson brings that. You know crazy level of athlete that he that he is but you know Gainwell's not a Gainwell's not a slack a slacker in terms of athlete there either uh, I believe he ran I think it was a 441 um 40 now we, we talked a little bit about the 40 times and how they may be a little bit inflated here but so I think the 441 is pretty it's pretty fast for him I'll be a little bit surprised if that is his speed but you know I think a high 44 is is absolutely within his you know, realm of possibilities there. Uh, but just, you know, the last thing on Gainwell there, you know, again, in your article, you know, you brought up a lot of great stats um, about, how, you know, the the slot snaps that he saw, the receiving snaps that he saw. And I think that worst case scenario with Gainwell, like I said, he's going to have that type of a role. So, 
I had even contemplated having him over Williams, uh, but I just I couldn't do it just because of the level of runner that Williams is. No, I agree. And, um, you know, another part about Gainwell, um, he's not going to be mistaken for, you know, a bruiser. But I did notice that, you know, he could move the pile a little bit and run through some tackles. And another part that, you know, I kind of put that I think is important for running bets is, um, blocking, you know, he's not a great blocker, but he, I, from what I saw, he was more than willing and kind of gets in the way. And sometimes, um, he kind of played coy a little bit with defenders and wait for them to come in and then, you know, throw all his weight at them and kind of knock them off their feet, off feet. So, um, I think running backs just need to be willing to block, you know, and kind of just get in the way. So I don't think that would keep him from being in on, you know, passing downs, which I think is a, a big part, you know, of, of, of his value. Yeah, I think that's a great point too. And that's just something else that lends to his, you know, very safe floor in that, you know, his his pass blocking is is going to is already good enough where he doesn't need to come off the field for it. You know, I think it's it's at an acceptable level, but that's something that you see with a lot of rookies though that they struggle with right away. So, even if he, you know, never really progresses from a blocking standpoint, I don't think it hurts him. You know, I don't think it's going to keep him off the field there at all. Um so with, you know, our top five being pretty similar there, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people have that, that same top five or, or pretty close there as well. Um, and, uh, this isn't, this isn't on the show sheet. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss it over to you here. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes here, but it, who is, um, who's your number six running back on this list? I'm just, I'm interested to hear this one. Yeah, so um, I believe, you know, I think I put this out earlier. I don't, this might be different from what I said on Twitter, but I really like Khalil Herbert. I did a piece on him too. Um, and I know, you know, um, Matt Bruning actually likes him a lot too. I talked to him about it. Uh, I think if he was at Virginia Tech more than one year, I think he would be closer into this top five. Um, I think he does a lot of things things well and, you know, um, he has pretty good vision, and he can catch the ball. He didn't have a lot of stats with that. And just at Kansas, that they were such a mess there. I, I, I can't even blame him for not getting carries because he would be averaging a lot of yards per touch, just they couldn't stay on the field. So I really like him, you know, kind of um, a start of that next tier. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good point, too. Uh, you know, he really showed what he can do at Virginia Tech. I mean, Kansas is such a mess. It's hard to hold anybody, you know, <laughs> it's hard to hold that against anybody for them for there. But, you know, I think that him at Virginia Tech's a little bit more of, of what you could expect in the pros. Um, I have, uh, I have Michael Carter Jr. at six there. And um, a little bit of that too is just, again, like the type of running back that I look for is a guy who is, can be used in the receiving game. I think if you can't be used in the receiving game, I think it makes it a lot tougher in the NFL nowadays. Um, so even, but even guys who are strictly receiving backs still at least have some sort of value. They still tend to stick around for a while. I mean, look at James White. You know, he's been around for forever. He's at least you know usable, especially for fantasy purposes too, because um, a lot of leagues are PPR nowadays. So I mean, that's pretty much the standard now. So you know, I, that's why I have Michael Carter Jr. at at six there. Um, I am actually, you know, everything is, uh, w- with rankings is, is pretty, uh, pretty fluid. You know, I, I, am a believer in strong opinions, loosely held, um, you know, and as you get, you know, more data and, and more, um, 
you know, as, as you even just look into it a little bit more yourself that, you know, you kind of adapt your rankings here and we put a, for our last rankings update, we put a lot of focus on the college side. So, um, the, not that we didn't focus on the NFL side, but I do, I'm looking here and I have Khalil Herbert, uh, too low. I have him below Elijah Mitchell, below CJ Maribel, um, below Deion Jackson right now. So I need to move Khalil Herbert up there. You, you, you sold you me sold on Herbert. Oh, that's some real disrespect you have for <laughs> Herbert there. Um, being, uh, being that low, but just kind of echo what you're saying about kind of being, um, you know, flexible and moving rankings. I will say I've done, you know, a lot of these rookie profiles, as you're saying, and especially for running backs. Um, each time I do a profile, I kind of like the next one and kind of move them around. Cause I remember one of my first ones was on JV and Hawkins and I really liked him at first, but I don't think he's nearly as versatile as, you know, some of these other bats. So then, you know, when I saw Herbert, I really liked him, you know, and then, um, when I saw game though, I liked him even better. So I think it's always good to um, get other people's opinions, you know, because they can always change just like I changed your opinion on her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Matt, when Matt Bruning listens to this show, he's going to, he's definitely going to reach out to you for, for changing my mind on Herbert. Cause he's been banging the Herbert drum for a while, but you know, when, when it comes to Matt, Matt, um, Matt's a lot of bark, um, you know, so he he's uh and and he'll he'll be the first one to admit that too. You know, he's uh he's always banging the drum for his guys, uh, and and you know Herbert's been one of his for a while. Um, so I, I should have paid attention more attention with him, but like I said, I Herbert's just one of those guys that went a little bit underlooked overlooked for me, uh, flew a little under the radar. So I need to move him up here uh, pre draft, uh, which we're probably not going to have another rankings update before that. It's probably uh, not going to come till after the draft. But he'll he'll be a riser for me for sure. So we'll uh, we'll move then into wide receivers, and this is where our top five does differ a little bit here. Um, so tell me a little bit about who is in your top five here to start. Right. So um, first, I have Jamar Chase. I think he's the pretty clear for for me. Even with not playing last year, he just showed how dominant he is. He was two years ago with Burrow. And then um, actually after that, it's kind of been a very uh, fluid situation for, for me. Um, I actually just recently moved up Waddle to number two. Um, I know a lot. I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, they're worried about Waddle with how much Henry Ruggs um, struggled last year. But, you know, I always say if you look at the tape, Waddle is so much different. He has a lot more um, where he can go get the ball. He has great hands. and He's not just, you know, um, uh, after the catch guy, he kind of can do a lot of everything. And then third, I have Rondell Moore, which really breaks my heart because um, I really want to have Rondell number one because ever since his freshman year where he totally embarrassed the Buckeyes and made me so happy, uh, I've, I've loved him. But just, you know, with – I don't have a problem with his height, um, but it seems like the NFL might. So just based on that and based on – he is kind of situation dependent that the team can use him right. That's why he goes down a little bit. And next is the Heisman winner, DeMonta Smith. Um, I wanted to move him down, you know, with the weight concerns that a lot of people are having, but just watching him on the football field, um, his route running and just, you know, how he can go get the ball and one handed catches. And he's actually a better blocker than you would think too. And then a uh, fifth, 
for me is um, someone that Alfred loves that, you know, we've talked about it is Elijah Moore. Um, I did a profile on him too. And I came away very impressed. Um, kind of gets moved around the field, you know, all over the place, kind of like Rondell Moore, but he has um, shown on tape, at least the more ability to go deep and, you know, contested catches and he's great in the open field. So um, yeah, that's, that's my top five. And just to say, Closely outside is um, is is Bateman. You know that the inner turmoil of putting Bateman and Moore in fifth took a long time, but I finally decided I had to stick with Elijah Moore. Yeah, and uh, and like you said, Alfred and then Jarek uh, Backus. Uh, you know, our our data extraordinaire at at campus of Canton. He's a huge Elijah Moore fan too. So I know when they listen to this too, they're going to be uh, excited that somebody else is as high on. Elijah Moore as they are. Um, I do like Elijah Moore a lot. Um, I happen to just have him sixth. Um, you know, my, my top five, I have Jalen Waddle at one. Um, you know, I think the thing with, with Jalen Waddle is he's just electric. I mean, he's an absolute game breaker. He's the type of guy who can just one catch can, you know, get you 10 fantasy points. You know, he can get one catch for 80 yards, and a touchdown, you know, he could take to the house on any play, you know, so he could just flip the script on a game and on a fantasy matchup. Um, and that's just the type of thing that I, I love about him too. I mean, you know, when you looked at his early uh, games this year now, you know, obviously he had that gruesome injury, which sounds like he's hopefully recovered from, uh, but the beginning of the year, you know, he started with four straight games over 120 yards. Um, you know, he had 134 yards in the first game and two touchdowns. Uh, his second game, you know, he had 142 yards and a touchdown. Uh, then he had 120 yards, then 161 yards and a touchdown. You know, so he was just, he's just absolutely electric. You know, he doesn't need a, a lot of, of touches to be productive. But if you get him in the right offense, you know, I think, I've said it before, I don't think there's necessarily going to be another Tyreek Hill. But if there is, it's Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, then I have Jamar Chase, who I absolutely love Jamar Chase as well. Um, you know, I think his game is a little bit more easily translatable and it's a little bit less dependent on an offense because Jalen Waddle could go to a situation potentially where he may not be used in the best of ways. Um, obviously not a one for one comp, but like Henry Ruggs in, in uh, Las Vegas, I don't really think they're using him the best. So if Waddle goes somewhere like that, that's a potential flip for me because those guys are very close. Um, but then three. I do have Rondale with you there as well. Uh, I like Rondale more a lot too. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that uh, that we can both agree on here. You know, I'm a Penn State fan. You're a Michigan fan. I know we've uh, we've joked about that. You know, in in some of our chats and stuff. But uh, one thing we can agree on is is our hatred of Ohio State. So you know, when Rondale uh, when Rondale broke them up when he was a freshman, you know, that was uh, that 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 warmed the heart a little bit for me too and endeared him to me. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, he's just obviously also extremely explosive, uh, you know, as an athlete, he does a lot of things well after the catch too. So he can bring a game breaking element similar to like what Waddle can, uh, which is why I like him a lot. Um, and then I do have Bateman at four and Devonta at five. Um, I know you have uh, Bateman outside of your, your top uh, five and I, I don't fault anybody for that as well, just because he, you know, his measurables aren't quite 
what we thought they were going to be. He weighed in a little lighter. He checked in a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, and when you have guys in this class that are so good, like Bateman, Devonta, and Elijah Moore, you got to find something to separate them. Some, you know, I, so I don't fault anybody for that being one of them too. But you know, I think he was just so dominant at Minnesota, even with a guy like Tyler Johnson, who was also, you know, very productive as well. And you know, I, th- I think that that helps him out a lot as analytic profile there too. Um, I know that endears him to guys like Jarek and uh, Alfred as well, but you know I think that beyond that though, I, I like um, I like his his uh, hand eye coordination. I think he uh, he attracts the ball extremely well. He you know extends away from the frame, goes and gets the ball. Um, he's also can you can use him in a lot of different ways too. You know he can you can use him. Not necessarily in the slot, but you can use him on some shorter stuff. Uh, you know, have him catch. You know, a little bit of do do a little bit of stuff after the catch too. You know, he can send him deep. Uh, you know, you can throw a jump ball to him. You know, I think he's a very versatile skill set. Uh, and then I have Devonta Smith at five, who you know I'm a big fan of him as well. Um, but you know, I don't fault you for having Elijah Moore there at five. Um, you know, I have him at six, very close, it's splitting hairs for me. Right, yeah. So um, I've actually moved even Bateman up, you know, to that borderline because I was down on him earlier, um, kind of echoing some of the things that uh, Felix has said about I'm a huge Tyler Johnson fan, and I was surprised he went so late in the draft. So um, I kind of wonder if the NFL just doesn't value those receivers at Minnesota as much. Um, And the – like I said about Rondell Moore, I don't think height's a big deal, but for Bateman, when he was saying, when I thought he was going to be around 6'2", be more, you know, the bigger alpha receiver, I think that once he was six foot, that took it down a little bit. But I still think he will be um, very good at NFL. I think he's less dependent on, um, on landing spot, but I also believe that um, – at least Rondell Moore has a higher um, ceiling, you know, if, if he gets in the right offense. But as you said, you know, I'm, it was it was very close, and I think this wide receiver class is so close. Um, coming up with just five was very difficult. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, like like you said, your draft capital too is going to play a big part. You know, that's a big p- missing piece of the puzzle. We need to know how the NFL values these guys because right now we're kind of just guessing. We're going off of what we see. Um, you know, so, you know, that's going to definitely play a role there as well. But, you know, you said that, uh, picking just five guys was, was pretty tough there. Um, you have a Bateman at six and I know you wrote a really interesting piece on, uh, Seth Williams. That was one of the first articles that I had read of yours. And that was one of the things that, you know, right away, I was just like, this guy, this guy gets it. You know, this is a really well-written article you know, backs up everything with facts back, but also backs it up with your eyes and, and your own, you know, expertise. You're not, you know, echoing and parroting, you know, other people out there, you know, it was a very unique take on that. Um, so, you know, t- tell me a little bit here and then, you know, I'll get again, a little off show sheet here too. So we, we like that we like to keep pretty flow free flowing here, but um, you know, talk to me a little bit about Seth Williams and then that article you wrote there. Right. I love how you're keeping me on my toes, you know, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so I would like to say to, you know, I know there's kind of the, you know, disagreement argument between you guys about, you know, film and the analytics 
And I like to say I'm kind of a, you know, a mixture of both. I will watch the film. And that's usually how I start my articles, talking about, you know, what I saw on tape. And then I'll also bring in some of the analytical type stats. And watching Seth Williams, Auburn's offense was horrible. The, <laughs> the, the Bo Nix was horrible. And the scheme was horrible. I saw something on Twitter that um, Bo Nix, when he throws past 10 yards, his completion percentage is 35%. And then, and then also um, – you know, the, the Auburn the past like eight years before they had a coaching change, they hadn't had a, a thousand yard receiver um, with all those good receivers they've had. And just with Seth Williams, just watching him, he's obviously a great contested uh, catcher. Um, but also I saw where he was very electric after the catch, but a lot of the times they did not use that enough. Um, for some reason, their offense was a lot based on where he would be a decoy. They'd just run him deep, run off defenders, and then run uh, their their slot receivers kind of underneath. And then when they did throw to Seth, uh, it was pretty much just jump ball, and he he's great at boxing out you know players. And some people have questioned his um, his hustle and his work work ethic, but from what I saw, I think that was just um, you know as result from the scheme. I think. If a team gets him and you know kind of expands the routes that he they ask him to run, um, I think he could be a real uh, steal. You know, later in the draft, you know, if he goes, you know, third or maybe even fourth round to the right team, um, he definitely you know can play. I think all over the field, you could line him up some in the slot um, to get you know some of the top corners off of him. But also, I think he could grow into you know an alpha type receiver. Um, so. I really liked him, and, you know, I, I know there were some certain analytics that were really good, and, and some of the things I saw in film just, you know, really uh, stuck out. He would make some highlight plays while he was at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, his highlight reel is – you can put it up there with, with a lot of the other players in this class. You know, he definitely is a great highlight reel. But, um, you know, I think that you brought up a really good point. One of the knocks that you do hear thrown out about him is, is a little bit of the work ethic, and, you know, that's one of the things that – you know, we just can't know as, as people who are outsiders. So you, you kind of have to follow a little bit of what, you know, you're hearing and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, you, you can't always factor that in. You're, you're going to have misses if a guy isn't, you know, a, a diehard worker or anything like that. But, you know, you also hear things like that about Justin Fields. So, you know, and, and I think it's been proven that he is, you know, a, a dog in, in the film room, in the weight room. You know, he outworks everybody from from a lot of different things that you hear from more credible sources so you know i don't necessarily knock seth williams for that at all you know i think that that's just one of those things that you just can't know like i said so i don't factor it in too much but i think one of the big things with seth williams is he's one of the few guys in this class that has an alpha size you know there's a lot of guys in this class that are like you know smaller they're more slot guys or they're more um, you know, versatile guys, you know, where where Seth Williams is your true traditional X wide receiver. And there's just not a lot of those guys in this class. You have him, you have Chase, and you have Marshall, and that's kind of about it. So if a team's looking for for an X, I think we could hear Seth Williams' name called a little bit sooner than uh, than what people are thinking on the NFL draft side. And then at that point, you know, you kind of have to reassess. So, you know, it's it's all you're already on him. And like I said, that article you wrote on him was definitely made him rise up in my rankings too. So, you know, you, you opened my eyes a little bit, made me go back, rewatch him there too. 
I know um, you gave me those kind words, you know, when after that article, and that's when I, I finally decided that you were uh, you were my favorite over over Austin on the Campus of Canton pod. And um, another, I don't like to um, compliment Penn State players, but one of the one of the comparables I think for uh, Seth Williams is Allen Robinson. A lot of their game, you know, they're um, they're big body guys that can you know do the contested catch, but they still have good speed and, you know, good after the catch and both have endured horrible quarterback play. So um, I thought that was a good fit, fit to compare those two. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. And I love hearing you hype up a Penn State player too. So I'm going to save that sound bit. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to play that over again. I'm just going to send it to you at random times. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm also honored to be your favorite host here on campus. Canton. I mean, I think Austin, um, you know, when he listens to this, you know, he'll probably quietly cry himself to sleep, but that's, you know, that's on him. You know, he's not on the show tonight, you know, he's busy with work. Uh, so understandable, but you know, I, I, I appreciate, uh, being a favorite here. Uh, we'll move into tight ends, which is a position that we kind of neglect on this show at times. Um, but I think this is a pretty good class actually. So I think this is, you know, definitely is worth diving into, um, you know, just uh, hit me quick here with uh, your top five at, at tight end. Right. Yeah. Um, Pitt's number one for me. You know, I think he's great. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be really good. Um, and then second, I go with Brevin Jordan. I love his uh, athleticism. And I've said that if he was at Florida instead of Pitts, I don't think he would have had the same numbers, but he would have shown great numbers there if he was utilized more because um, Miami's passing game could be kind of inconsistent. Um, and then third, I have your boy, uh, Pat. Um, I think he's going to be really good. Um, you know, there's been good, um, you know, examples of Penn State bigger tight ends, you know, doing well. Um, and um, then fourth, I have Tommy Trimble. And that was um, – I started looking at him when Felix started talking about him. Um, I take a little bit of everything you guys say from uh, the Campus of Canton site. Um, and then, um, and then fifth, I have long and, um, you know, he's all right. He kind of, he doesn't have nearly, you know, actually Trimble and long aren't as exciting, but I think the top three guys could be, you know, could end up being top five tight ends, um, one day in the NFL. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I, I completely agree with you there for the first, uh, for, well, for Pitts, um, I do have Friar Muth at two. Uh, you know, obviously a little bit of homerism for me here too, but I think people forget a little bit of how good Pat Fryermuth was just because he got injured pretty early this year. Uh, but I think it's splitting hairs because I think Brevin Jordan is uh, also a great tight end as well. I think he could have a very successful NFL career and he's also uh, dynamic, you know, with the ball in his hands. And, you know, I think he can provide a lot in the fantasy realm, you know, regardless of how, you know, great of a, he's not a great blocker, but I don't think you need to be, um, you know, where Pat Frymuth I think is a little bit more complete. Um, so I think it'll depend on the offense that those two go in as far as like, you know, who can produce early, but either way, I think both of those guys are going to be good NFL tight ends. Um, then I do have Hunter long ahead of Tommy Trimble. Um, I like Tommy Trimble. Um, you know, I think his, I think his athleticism is, I think he's a little bit more athletic than the four six five forty that he ran. Um, you know, I was a little bit surprised at that one uh, because uh, you know he, they used him in a number of different ways uh, at Notre Dame. 
Um, you know, they would use Mayer as the more traditional tight end, and then they would just kind of move Tremble around, like, kind of a little bit more like an H back. But they would also use him, you know, as as a blocking a tight end there too. So I think he's uh, he's a versatile weapon there. But I think regardless, his um, he's got a very safe floor at the tight end position as well. But with Hunter Long, you know, I, I like what he did at Boston College this year. I mean, he had a really strong year. You know, 57 catches, 685 yards, five touchdowns from a tight end at a school like Boston College. That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, so I, I like that a lot too. I think, you know, Hunter Long also just has the pure tight end size, 6'5, 253. That's what you're looking for. You know, that is an every down tight end type of a role. That's a guy who can play in line. Um, but you know, I think his his athleticism is is decent. Um, you know, he ran a four six three and a four six nine. Um, so if you split the difference there, you're looking at like a four, six, six, which is right on par with Tommy Trimble. But I, I think Tommy Trimble looks a little bit more athletic than Hunter Long. So, you know, as, as I'm sitting here talking about this, I do usually like tight ends a little bit more, man, that's a, that's a tight one for me. Um, you know, so I, I may, I may look, have to take another look at the rankings there and see if I don't flip flop those two, but, um, you know, cause I know Felix is a big fan of Tommy Trimble and, and Felix is a, Felix brings a very unique perspective, um, you know, to, to his rankings as well, you know, where he's, he's usually on a player or pretty early. So I may have to give Tommy Trimble another look here, see if I can't flip him. But uh, either way, I think both of those guys are going to be pretty productive in the NFL. Um, Cause I think this tight end class is just, you know, miles ahead of last year's tight ends class. Last year's tight end class is pretty weak overall. No, I, I agree. And, I think the main thing, the difference between uh, Brevin and Pat for me, are I like more the uh, more athletic tight ends um, because that's getting used so much more, you know, kind of line up all over the field. Um, but I will agree with you, um, Pat, is the more complete tight end and, and kind of um, for both of those, if they get in the right situations, which would be totally different situations, Pat, more than more traditional offense, um, more in the, you know, Kelsey and Grunk type mold of where he, he can catch the ball, but he's also a very good blocker. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Um, honestly, I've had a couple rookie uh, uh, dynasty uh, fantasy drafts um, before you get the, uh, the landing spot, and I've actually gotten every single one of these tight ends. So I've gotten a little bit of all of them. So I think they all have, um, you know, a, a great potential for the, for the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, that's another thing too, you know, you, you like to get a little bit of exposure to, to different guys when you're in several different leagues, especially when, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit there too. So I love that you took, you know, one of those guys in, in a couple different leagues there. Um, yeah, I may, I may follow suit there, but I'm hoping that, you know, given the depth of the class everywhere else, that tight end gets a little bit overlooked and I'm hoping I can snag, you know, guys like Hunter Long and, and Tommy Tremble pretty late. Um, but uh, we'll move off a tight end here. And, you know, we talked about our top guys. Um, so I'm going to throw this over here to you. Just give me the one guy that you love for one reason or another, not necessarily your highest ranked guy. You know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be in your top five, but, you know, bonus points if they are. But give me, a, give, give me your favorite, one of your favorite guys here at, at the running back position. We'll start there because I think the quarterbacks, we already hit on the top five a lot. So. You know, I think that's 
fairly locked in. So let's let's jump over to running back. Skip over QB. So now it's my my turn to be um, a bit of a homer. Um, actually, I've heard other people starting to talk him up, but uh, Chris Evans out of Michigan. Um, he dealt with some issues where he lost a full season in 2019. Um, then made his way back. He had a very good freshman year. Um, just like all these Michigan offensive players, he wasn't utilized right. Um, I think he's 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 very good with the ball. Um, if they ran the t- right type of routes, you know, he can be in the slot. He's run some wheel routes. You know, he r- runs you know very good routes. I think so. He has that passing back that you said that you like. But I also think that he could. You know, he's good between the tackles. Um, enough where you can get him some, you know, some carries in there. Um, kind of in the, you know, um, comparison of a James White, where you could run him some, but mostly you're going to get him going out of the backfield and being the slot type receiver. So um, I really like him, and uh, I've seen in some uh, startups people are starting to pick him, a, you know, a little higher. Um, so I'm having to reach way, way too high for him. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, he's not one of the probably top maybe five, ten guys, but he's one of those guys that could go later, you know, fifth to seventh round. Um, and once he gets on the football field, he could really impress coaches and make a, a big role for himself. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's a guy that I think opened some eyes, um, you know, at the at the he was a senior bowl invitee, right, I believe. Yes, he was. And he ran some routes and um I believe that's where it really started. Um, you know, he started to get some hype of, of all of his route running. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was what really kind of put him on the map for me there, because you know, I, I think that everybody was kind of looking at the other guys at, at Michigan, you know, Charbonnet, Blake Corum who was coming in there too. Um, you know, even even Has- Hassan Haskins, um, you know, even those guys and, and CJ or, or CJ um, and Evans kind of forgot, got a little bit forgot about there, but yeah, no, I think that's a great call there. He's definitely a guy that you're probably going to be able to get a little bit later. Um, it, you know, probably like late third, fourth round in, in rookie drafts, you know, maybe even after that too, depending on, you know, the, the your league setup and, and thoughts on some of these wide receivers. Uh, but the running back that I've been, you know, banging the drum for here for a while um, it's, it's my guy, CJ Maribel, uh, out of uh, coastal Carolina and CJ Maribel is a guy that I was really excited to see where he weighed in at. Um, you know, he was listed at five ten, two hundred pounds there and he weighed in pretty close to that. He was five, nine and a half and, uh, and 190 pounds. So, you know, maybe he slimmed down a little bit to try and get his, uh, to get his speed up. Uh, you know, improve some of those testing numbers, but either way, I don't think that that's a huge knock on him. Cause I don't, he was never really a power guy anyway. Um, you know, he wasn't really a guy who was going to run you over. He's more of a guy who, you know, he's got some speed there to him. He's got really good lateral mobility too. I think he's really, really smooth as a runner. And I love his patience and his vision. I think those are two things that are, you know, kind of, Two things with the running back where if you're not an elite athlete, you know, you can still be extremely successful with, you know, excellent patience and vision and just an understanding of the game. And I think he has that too. Um, plus he's, he's still dynamic as a receiver as well. Um, you know, the last two years, Coastal Carolina, 
top 30 catches in both in both uh, years, you know, 38 catches as a junior, 31 catches as a senior this past year. So, you know, he brings that uh, pass catching ability that I, that I look for a lot as well. And, you know, when you couple that, like I said, with his uh, his quickness and his vision and patience, he's a guy that I, I think needs to be getting a little bit more love than he is. I don't know where he's going to go in the NFL draft, but, um, you know, I don't particularly care that much. He's a guy that I'm going to be looking to snag in pretty much all of my leagues. Is there any worry for you, just, you know, how Coastal Carolina runs that option offense that, you know, how well all that will translate for him, you know, getting into a different scheme in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean it's, it's a great point. Definitely going to be a scheme change and, and a bit of an adjustment there for him, too, because nobody runs that option offense in the NFL. But, um, you know, he was a, a dynamic player, um, you know, before he went to Coastal Carolina. Um, I think it was Arkansas State, I think was where he was before that. Um, it was somewhere else in the Sun Belt. Um, but you know, he was a he was an excellent player there as well. So I he uh that's definitely a little bit of a concern. So it may take a little bit longer of it to translate for him, but I think that with running backs, the option offense isn't as it's not as concerning for me as it would be if it was like a quarterback, you know, developing to the next level. Um, and, and like I said, I love his patience and his vision. So I think that that's something that's going to translate really well. Um, even if it takes him a little bit more time to adapt to more of an NFL scheme, uh, I think his tools there are, are, you know, just something that's going to earn him a role in the NFL and, and something that'll make him have a, you know, at least stick around for a while. But I, I think he's going to be a guy who potentially, even if he goes undrafted, he's going to be a guy like a Philip Lindsay or James Robinson, where we're just like, why were we not on this guy before? No, that makes sense, you know, and I definitely could see that. I think he'd be kind of one of those guys that um, might not impress people, you know, just just watching the film. But once you see him in person, and maybe get him in, you know, you know, however many preseason games we might have in the training camps. Um, he definitely could be a player like Lindsey or James Robinson that um, impress and, you know, make a solid role for themselves. Uh, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll move then into the wide receiver position. Um, you know, so tell me who's the one wide receiver that you love for one reason or another. So I guess I'm doubling up on my homerism because uh, originally I was going to talk about Seth Williams, but, you know, we kind of already talked about him and we talked about Elijah Moore. So I'm going to talk about Nico Collins. Um, I know a lot of people, um, at least on Twitter, have been growing on him. And uh, yet again, um, Michigan's offense, you know, doesn't know what it's doing. Um, He never usually got more than four or five targets a game. Um, he consistently, you know, would come down with jump ball duck passes from Shea Patterson. Um, he consistently beat players. He's quicker than people give him credit for. And he also has a little bit of that alpha in him where he will just go get the ball. Um, I know Austin is not that high on him, doesn't think that he has um, – he's athletic enough. Um, but I think he could be really good in the right spot. Um if he could be the second receiver, but kind of, you know, alternate with that alpha type role in certain plays, um, I think he could be really good. And also another thing I like to look at when I do my profiles is where were they getting offers before they committed somewhere? 
and he had offers from pretty much every SEC school. He was from Alabama. Uh, he just did not want to stay in the state of Alabama. I, I don't understand that. You know, and, you know, God bless him for sticking with Michigan this whole time. But, um, yeah, I, I really hated him opting out, you know, during this COVID year because I really wanted to watch one more year of him. But I think he could be um, someone that could really impress, you know, uh, if he gets to the right team and can, can show his abilities. Yeah, no, you brought up a great point about him, you know, especially his size. You know, like we, like we talked a little bit about earlier, not a lot of guys with that alpha profile. Uh, that alpha size. And I think that he has that for sure. Um, I mean, I can't blame him for opting out, you know, COVID aside. I mean, that, that QB situation, man. I mean, yeah. Who wants to catch passes from Cade McNamara or Joe Milton? Am I right? Let me tell you, I wouldn't. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I did not blame it all at all. And, um, you know, he, he's always seemed like a really hard worker, you know, a good guy, you know, never complained. Um, whereas some of the other receivers that have come through Michigan the last couple of years, there's been rumors about their, you know, being, you know, kind of bad apples, you know, locker room guys. But Nico is always, you know, never complains when, you know, he has to jump out of the building to catch passes, you know, because they're 10 feet too high. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always loved him. So he's one of those uh, Michigan guys that wherever he goes, I'll be a, I'll be a fan of him. Um, except if it's the Ravens, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot be for a Ravens player. So hopefully the Ravens don't pick him. Okay. I didn't know you were, uh, I didn't know you, you were a Ravens hater here. So is there, I mean, you're not even a Steelers fan, right? You're, you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, right? Yeah. I'm a, a Jags and, um, uh, Browns because of, um, Browns. My, 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 my dad. And I have a couple of Ravens friends and, um, I just, I just don't, I just don't like them. Um, you know, <laughs> I just, uh, I think it put it at an all time high this year. Um, that Monday night game against the Browns when, you know, Lamar, you know, had whatever he had, then he comes running on the field and leads them back to win that game. Um, that was, it was really bitter for me, but yeah, I'm just not, uh, you know, huge on the Ravens or for, for Nico, I would like him to go to a situation or I think he could be successful. And I just don't believe in wide receivers in that Ravens system, no matter who they are. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, it's a good thing. Austin's not on the show because Austin would be over here pumping his fist. And when he listens to this, you know, he's going to be excited that you hate the Ravens too. Um, you know, and, and you know, Bruning is going to love that you're a Browns fan as well. But yeah, I think that, you know, Homerism aside, teams aside, you know, fandom aside, yeah, anybody who goes, any wide receiver that goes to the Ravens is going to be hard pressed to be successful there. Um, but I, I, I will say one thing that I do really like about Collins is, you know, his versatility. You know, he lined up in a lot of different places for for Michigan. You know, I, they even use him in the slot at, at times. So, you know, I think that would bode well for him for wherever he goes. Um, but you know, if if even if he does end up on the Ravens there, and you know, as much as uh, <laughs> as much as it would suck, uh, I think he could potentially maybe not have fantasy success because just they don't throw it at a lot. But I think he could have like NFL success there, you know, because um, I like him better than I liked Miles Boykin coming out. wasn't really a big fan of Miles Boykin. Um, and, you know, I wasn't really a big fan of Hollywood Brown coming out either. So, you know, if he goes there, he may be my favorite of those guys. Yeah, definitely. It would it would be a good um, and they could wait, you know, on getting him 
probably till the second or third round. And he would be a good complement, I think, to Hollywood. You know, Hollywood's more the deep guy, and then you could use him more of a possession-type receiver because, you know, I like Lamar, but I, as a passer, I just don't think he'll ever reach a mark where he's going to be great. But maybe if he gets that guy that can just, you know, go and get the ball, you know, that might make all the difference. Maybe it would be similar to um, – I'm not saying Nico Collins is Stephon Diggs, but it would be similar <laughs> to Josh Allen, you know, getting that, that go-to receiver, that big-body receiver – that really, you know, helped him out a lot. So, um, you know, I guess I could be open to that, Colin, but, you know, I won't like it when it happens. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I can't blame you there because um, I would be upset if my guy went there too. And and the the guy that I love um, is Amon Ra St. Brown. And, you know, I've talked about him on a couple shows here before, so I'm not going to, you know, go too deep here. But, uh, you know, I love his versatility you know, and I, I love how fluid of an athlete he is as well. Um, you know, there's just a lot that I like about Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, he produced early. Uh, you know, he never he never really quite took off like I was hoping he would this year. But USC's offense was, um, you, know, you know, definitely underwhelmed as a whole. So I'm not going to hold that against him. And I'm going to look more at the other two years. And, and, you know, he had great production in those two years as well. Um, you know, but then, you know, beyond that, like I said, I love his ability after the catch. Um, you know, I think he's the type of guy who can succeed in the slot. I think he could play outside potentially. I think he's better in the slot, but I don't think you need to take him off the field in two wide receiver sets. And he was my pick for a guy to be the next uh, Justin Jefferson. So I think that, you know, that kind of says all that, uh, all the, all that I need to say on my love for Amon Ross St. Brown, like since I've talked about him before. No, I actually, um, in preparation for the show, I kind of looked at him a little bit more. And um, I know Austin kind of talked about him on one of the shows. And I kind of agreed with um, with Austin. His route running is unbelievable. You know, in and out of breaks, he gets, gets the ball. Um, you know, he doesn't have the best after the catch, you know, kind of movement, you know, um, to get free. But he does, you know, he can, he can you know, move ahead, you know, and, and you know, break through some tackles. Um, but his route running is is just so great. So that is similar to Justin Jefferson because I think they both are great route runners. So um, and they can play you know inside and out. So I think that's a that's some uh, good comparisons you made. Thanks, I appreciate that. Even even though you, you talked up Austin, uh, I'll I'll take I'll take that here. Um, and I'm glad you brought up his route running too because I uh, you know I, I that was something I I love about him as well. I just you know like I said I've talked about it a little bit before so. I didn't want to, you know, go too in depth there, um, but uh, we'll we'll kick it off here. We'll wrap it up with, um, you know, deep. We'll, we'll wrap it up going deep here, and this is a as deep of a class from a skill position standpoint as I can remember. You know, I, I like a lot of the uh, a lot of the quarterbacks, a lot of the tight ends. Um, you know, I like a lot of the wide receivers, running backs outside of the top three. It's kind of like a mismatch, but I think that there's a lot of guys that could be successful um you know given the situations that they go into um you know there's there's enough to like about some of those guys that you could see a guy or two break out but um you know like i said we'll go we'll go deep here and give give me one guy that you hope goes undrafted in your rookie draft so you can snag this guy as soon as waivers open up so i'm going to cheat a little bit and say two but they're they're very similar um one 
the one I actually put on the show sheet was Amari Rogers from Clemson. I know at their pro day, he did some um, work at running back, running some routes like that. So I like that versatility. And similarly, um, I like uh, Demetric Felton at UCLA because at the senior at the senior bowl, he ran wide receiver routes. So I kind of like the versatility for both that they can do some things, you know, in and out of the backfield. And I think they, um, you know, the way the NFL is going with more slot type guys, I think both of them, if they hit the right team, they could impress early, you know, and make, um, you know, a, a, a good uh, role for themselves and, you know, even have some, uh, fantasy value, you know, going in their first and second year. Yeah, I mean, I, I like both those guys there as well. Um, I, I like Demetric Felton's versatility as well, you know, being a running back now, kind of transitioning to wide receiver. I think you could see him be a, a Curtis Samuel type player. I don't think he has that quite on that level of athleticism. Uh, but, you know, I think that that type of versatility is something you can see from Felton. So I love the call on Demetric Felton. Um, I, want to say it's uh Brandon Lejeune was really high on him as well. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a Brandon, Brandon's a really smart guy as well. So anytime he talked about somebody, I listen. So he made me go back, take a look at that offense. Um, you know, and, and I liked a lot of what I saw from Felton. Uh, the, uh, the guy that I'll talk about here is, is a guy I've touched on a little bit before as well. And that's, um, Dion Jackson out of Duke. Uh, you know, I think that he is a size speed specimen. Uh, you know, he's 5'10 and a half, 220, and ran a verified 4'4", 140. Um, you know, it was originally clocked at, a, I believe it was a 4'3", 8. Um, but then after they verified, it was a 4'4", But either way, still, you know, great speed at that size. But, uh, you know, I think his, he, he, does, he doesn't have great short area explosiveness. He's not the most shifty guy. Uh, but I, I think his his he's more of a one cut guy and, and go. But if he gets into a, an offense where, you know, maybe it's like an outside scheme where they let him just get one cut and go, you know, he can break away and he can break off some huge gains. Um, and then I also love his his ability as a pass catcher too. You know, Duke used him, you know, kind of all around. They used him in various different roles. Um, so you know, when you combine the the size and the speed and the the pass catching ability. I think he's a guy that has checks all three of those boxes and you know, those are three things that I look for a lot and I don't hear anybody else really hyping him up. So I do think he's a guy that, that has a good chance of going undrafted rookie drafts. No. Yeah. I, you know, I know he's a kind of a deep sleeper and I've seen people starting to talk him up. So, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, you could take a flyer on and, you know, and, and, and possibly, you know, eventually, you know, show something uh, on a team that, you know, you might be able to land on. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the NFL values him. That's definitely going to play a role in in my uh, in where I have him, because if he does go late or if he goes undrafted, it's it's not as concerning for running backs as it is as receivers. But, you know, it's definitely a bit of a flag there if the NFL doesn't value him quite like I do. Um, but. All right, I think that uh, that's going to pretty much do it for us here tonight, man. I, I really appreciate you hopping on here. Like I said, you, you, you've been somebody you've been that I've wanted, wanted on for a while. Um, so just, you know, I really appreciate you hopping on. Appreciate you filling in for Austin while he's out here. Um, you know, we may uh, we may have to get you back on here again when Austin's on the show so we can, uh, you know, we can all have out of here with some of our rookie rankings or, or, you know, some Debbie talk or anything like that. Right. 
Thanks, Colin. I really appreciate it. And it's been a, it's been great to talk about, you know, all these reviews and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, next time Austin will be on. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Um, you know, like it's a time of year for tax lawyers and everything like that. It got pretty busy for him, but, um, you know, I'll, you know, tell, uh, tell the people where they can find you, Brandon, tell the people what you're working on here. You got anything coming on, on the pipeline? Right. Yeah. So, um, most of my rookie profiles are with the league winners, uh.com, you know, so we have, a uh, we have a lot of, um, good writers on there and actually I'm the head, um, of the Debbie part of that, of that site. I haven't been doing as much, um, but getting ready for the draft but after that, I will start jumping in on more of the, uh, Debbie content. And then, um, I'm also writing for the ITP IDP guys. Um, and, I do most of the offensive side for them, but I'm actually working on a piece that I hope to have done soon before the draft. I kind of looked at the last eight years of data for the NFL draft and kind of um, some of the trends for teams and, you know, to, you know, to see, you know, the, how many actually are relevant, you know, their rookie year and everything. And it, it's actually been pretty enlightening already. So I'm hoping to have that out, you know, in, you know, a few days to, to being um, before the draft, you know, it's, it has some nice trends and maybe might um, change some people's minds about, you know, holding out in fantasy for all those rookies. I mean, I know, you know, this is that draft time and everyone wants to accumulate, you know, all those rookie picks, but, you know, a lot of times they don't, you know, hit at a great success rate. So, um, so yeah, I'm really excited about getting into that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds like a great article there too. I mean, it's uh, throwing a little bit of cold water on that rookie fever, but, you know, I think that's something that we all need at times. Uh, but I think that, you know, either way, you know, regardless, um, I think that this is this is an article that I'm not going to miss. I don't miss too many articles when you put them out. Um, and if I do, you know, I, I, I like to go to your profile and scroll through here and see if I can't find, you know, an article that I missed just to catch up on it. Because you know, you've written so many great rookie pieces. Uh, you know, I, I, I love your work. Like I said, could not wait to have you on here. Um, so I really appreciate you hopping on again. So everybody, be sure to follow Brandon uh, on Twitter, at HeyB3 on Twitter. You have to go check out his rookie profiles for your rookie drafts coming up here at FF League Winners, um, you know, theleaguewinners.com, um, or over at idpguys.org. Um, you know, like I said, with, with rookie drafts coming up, those are can't miss, uh, invaluable content. Uh, so, you know, as, as always here, uh, I'm Colin, and Austin's not on, so that's Brandon. And thanks for joining us. Be sure to loyal on the lookout for the midweek show, uh, Campus Life.